are now listening to Digital Doorways, where our audience learns from our expert guests as we explore their experiences with branding, transformation, and change. Unlock the digital doorways and embark on a journey of knowledge and growth. Now here is our host, Blue Text founder, Jason Siegel. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another illuminating episode of Digital Doorways, the podcast where we unlock the strategies driving modern business transformation through branding and marketing. I am thrilled to introduce a true luminary today, someone who has not only weathered the winds of change, but has truly thrived amid them. Paul Framelt. Paul is a visionary in marketing leadership and partnering with private equity firms. And he's a true maestro in orchestrating the convergence of innovation and business acumen. I've personally had the privilege of working alongside Paul for close to five years. Awesome executive to work and get leadership from. Paul's voyage through the corporate landscape has been nothing short of extraordinary, marked by remarkable achievements. Most notably, his leadership catapulted Centauri, backed by Arlington Capital Partners, into the limelight with an astounding $850 million acquisition by KBR. Today, Destiny's Hand reunites Paul and CEO Dennis Kelly, courtesy of Arlington Capital Partners, for yet another transformative venture, Eclipse Technologies. As we embark on this voyage of insights, we'll traverse the crossroads of digital and traditional marketing, exploring the art of uniting brands for profitable outcomes and unravel the secrets behind sustaining impactful branding amidst a sea of change. Paul, it's an honor to have you on Digital Doorways. Your journey embodies the essence of navigating change with finesse, particularly in the realms of branding and marketing. And in a world where the digital landscape opens new pathways each day and where brand evolution is pivotal, our listeners are eager to absorb the wisdom you've garnered. From crafting digital narratives to steering brand integrations, your experiences are a compass for C-suite executives aiming to illuminate their own digital doorways. So without further ado, let's swing open the door to your insights. Welcome, Paul Framelt, to the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for coming. Now, you know, my audience is really thriving and hearing um, two big topics that we know you have so much success together on. One is, you know, we're com- the, the phrase coming out of COVID is really out of favor. We are, we are just in the modern era and this door swinging of digital to in-person and what works and where's the noise. We're going to dive deep into that. And we're also going to dive deep into what a lot of people want to know is how do you bolt on? How do you merge brands? How do you create exits that create really profitable ventures? So um, we're really excited to dig deep into those two topics. And, you know, the big first one is, you know, I've been going to a bunch of events and getting out there more. Most recently I was at the Gartner cybersecurity symposium in national Harbor mm-hmm. and it was elbow to elbows. Like, wow, like forget about no mass. Like people were, just on top of each other. So the marketing landscape's evolving. And as you're making decisions on what you're doing with Eclipse, when you prioritize digital strategies over in-person and traditional methods, what's the what's your approach these days and how do you balance it for positioning government contractor brands? Obviously right now it's Eclipse to succeed. Yeah, when you you know when you think about the COVID um 
during the COVID times and in all other industries. And, you know, what we were hearing was, well, COVID just, you know, it, it accelerated what we were already seeing in a push to digital. You saw, you know, entertainment industry going, uh, you know, uh, having uh, digital downloads and streaming and, and everybody thought, you know, it's accelerating where we were already going. But then what we saw was coming out of COVID is that wasn't the future. The future was still things like we wanted people to be in the movie theaters. We want to go back to conventions. We want to be in person. We want that human connection. And you see a lot of these other companies that fully embraced going only digital um, and focusing on that kind of scrambling back to, to how we were kind of pre COVID. Um, and for me, you know, it just comes down to, you know, using digital or traditional um, it comes down to that audience. Um, there's like, if there's a broad audience we're trying to reach, I tend to use the shotgun approach and that, that favors uh, traditional methods. But if, you know, a lot of times, especially right now for me, it's, we have a hyper-targeted audience. Um, so we're pri prioritizing digital because we really need to have those digital tools to target the right people. So, but, but in addition to that, we still know that traditional is extremely important. Uh, you, you mentioned conferences, um, you know, the, those large GovCon conferences like Space Symposium, AUSA, those are still hard, huge for, for our industry. Um, you know, people are still looking to go to those in-person events and have that genuine one-on-one -on -one connection. But for me, what's important, what we're looking at is, okay, so we have these in-person events, we have this traditional way um, of advertising, but then how do you take the next step and turn that into digital? How do, you, how do you continue that engagement? How do you keep telling your brand's story after the in-person? And that's kind of what we're focused on now is taking that to the next step. Have those in-person connections, have those one-on-one -on -one, uh, talks, but how do you continue that conversation in, in digital? And how do you integrate these, uh, you know, these two worlds of digital and traditional marketing elements to get the brand to punch through? So one of the things that, that um, you know, we're working on with Eclipse and, and a lot of the things that, that I'm focused on right now is, is on the recruiting angle. And, and I'm sure we'll talk about that a little more. But, but recently we had a, um, a brand, kind of a, a block party uh, near one of our customer spaces, near our our um, our workspaces in Annapolis Junction, Maryland, and you know we had uh, food trucks out there. We had all of our leadership team. We had recruiters out there, and we invited the entire community that works in that area. And that was a great event. Um, everybody kind of learning our brand because we are you know we're new. We're a few months old, so it's hey we're Eclipse. Talk to us. Learn learn more about us. But again, it was that in person one on one type of event. And now what we're looking at is, okay, so how do we, like I said, how do we bring the digital into that? How do we continue that conversation with the folks that are learning about us in person? So we're doing this again in October. We're, we're having a, a block party out near the customer space, near our facility. But we're like, okay, how do we then continue that conversation? So we have postcards with QR codes that take us to our website. Um, we're having various raffles where people sign up. 
um, and then get added to, into our CRM so we can continue sending them a newsletter. So it's all about moving them to that, that digital realm. So a constant nurture. Yeah. And I love how you're reaching out into the local community. I think that's a great way to, to create that groundswell of buzz for the new brand. Mm -hmm. Now, um, how do you incorporate storytelling? Like often contractors are so focused on talking about capabilities and talking about contract vehicles they on, but they're on. But if you up level, how do you incorporate storytelling to make your government contractor brand compelling and memorable across both those traditional, I mean, those digital, but then also when you're out touching the community in more traditional channels? Yeah, so storytelling is extremely important for us. It's extremely important for us as we're launching a brand and introducing a brand uh, to our audiences. And, and for me, it's three, three levels, past, present, and future. So with Eclipse, that's five different um, organizations that have come together uh, to form Eclipse. And one of those, those organizations, UES out of Dayton, they have a 50-year history. So you want to tell that story of all of these organizations, how they got to where they are. It's compelling. It's, it shows, um, it shows potential employees. It shows potential partners kind of where you've been. And then you want to tell a story of why you came together. So there's a reason why you came together. There's a reason why these particular companies came together. And when you tell that story, you're showing, well, these companies came together and this is how they complement each other. And this is what makes Eclipse unique because these companies are coming together and you're able to tell that story of, okay, why Eclipse now? And then, you know, when you're launching a new brand for, for the future, um, especially when it comes to potential employees, um, you know, potential partners, you want to tell them why they want to be on this ride with you. So what's your story of the future? What are you, what are you looking towards? What are you rowing towards? Um, so that's kind of the three areas of storytelling that we're working on right now. And all three have a very serious place in telling our story and kind of introducing our brand. Great that you've got one or multiple of the brands with kind of 50 year legacy, because as a new brand, one of the first things you have to combat through is stability. And do you have true staying power? So mm -hmm. it's a great asset to have as you uh, tell that story. Also, as you were talking about these businesses coming together, my mind went into Voltron and I was just thinking yeah, of all these things. Exactly. Right. Together. You know, Voltron awesome. or, 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 or Power Rangers, it's, you know, better together. And, and that's, you know, one of the things, one of the mottos that, that we've used internally um, and externally is we are better together. All of these companies were great. They were successful. There's a reason that all of these companies um, were chosen to, to come together. They're great, but together they're even better. Yeah, a lot of data-driven decisions must have went into forming this perfect Voltron. And with a growing emphasis on data-driven decisions and every decision you have to make, you, I'm sure you're always looking at the data to help inform which direction to drive the business. How do you leverage analytics to optimize both digital and traditional, which is a, you know, a non-digital channel, marketing strategies for better brand positioning? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, data is, is so extremely important and, you know, any, any Marcom uh, professional relies, any successful Marcom professional relies really heavily on the data. 
Um, so the first thing that, that we work to do is get all the pre- proper analytics in place on our website, on our, you know, tr- tracking the socials, making sure every link we send out has a UTM on it, making sure every QR code that's out there in the wild has tracking attached to it. So we know if what we're doing is working, you know, in the Marcom realm, and certainly you know this, is, is you, you are throwing a lot of stuff against the wall. Things are changing. Um, the, you know, how you resonate with people change. Your audiences change. You need to know what is working. So that's the first thing is, is you need to have the data to understand it. And the second thing, and this is the thing that, that may be a catch for some people, is, you know, if it's not working, change it immediately, be agile, change it, or just ditch it completely. And some things, even recently, were, you know, didn't work that, that I was trying. And we saw the data that it didn't work. And we said, okay, we're just not going to do it. Even though how much I was proud of the idea or, or how, how much I liked it, it doesn't matter what I like. If the data says it's not working, um, then you need to, you need to stop. And those, those lessons are equally as valuable as the home runs because knowing not where to go is, uh, is extremely, uh, just really helpful in, yeah, in driving the strategy forward. You're wasting time. You're wasting money. Um, and, and you could just, you know, you could adapt and change and, um, you know, have success there instead of, you know, being kind of bullheaded and saying, no, I know this is going to work. This just give me more time. You got to you got to know when to when to punch out. Yeah. When you fail, fail fast. That's usually a better way to go. Absolutely. Speaking of an area that you don't want to fail with a brand is trust. How do you address the unique challenges of maintaining both security and trust? while implementing digital marketing when you're really going after the government contracting sector. Yeah. And a, a lot of companies, and I've, I've been in this industry for, for 15 years or so, and um, I've worked um, for, for different customers uh, within the intelligence community. And, you know, a lot of times the coolest stuff that we do, we can't talk about. Um, the coolest stuff that Eclipse does working with customers, it's a no go. We're just not going to talk about it. Because um, that trust with your customer is paramount. It's the most important. And I, especially for a Marcom angle, I can't do anything that erodes that trust that hurts our business and, and has our partner not trust us. So, you know, there's some things I'm not going to, I'm not going to even think about because, you know, OPSEC is extremely important. Um, you know, another example is, is TikTok. We, I understand that is the, the hottest digital channel. I understand uh, plenty of our audience, particularly entry level potential employees, are are there. I understand that a lot of employees have great success showcasing their brand on TikTok. It's just not something that that Eclipse is going to use. That would erode the trust with our with our um, government customers, and we're just not going to use it. In fact, you know we don't have that on our phones. Um, you know that is something you're seeing throughout um, throughout the federal government, but that's just not something that we're going to use. Um, it's, it's, it would be a great, you know, tool in our tool belt, but we're not going to use it. I mean, additionally, you know, our company, we're working in national security. We're a target. Um, you know, there's adversaries, we could have cyber attacks. Um, so again, that's extremely serious. And we have, you know, security people, um, maintaining our networks and focusing on that. And I just want to make sure that nothing that Marcom does, um, makes us a target. So I still want to tell our story and you have to be creative. We do a lot of cool things that we can talk about. 
So I want to tell the story of Eclipse, but I'm working very closely with leadership, with the subject matter experts in the field to make sure we're telling the right story without without telling the wrong thing. Yeah, the TikTok dilemma, it's uh it's a real dilemma because you know, you got a what a 5x the size audience of mm-hmm. all the other major networks combined and we've been advising clients for the last at least the last 12 months to not invest until we see uh government legislation come yep. down where they make that a US entity or they block it because building up uh, a following and a base and then to have it all just get blown away by by government law that would be a big waste but you know it just doesn't seem to be going away and maybe with the next administration they'll try to put a gun to it but um i think pretty soon for our clients that are not in sensitive defense spaces we're going to probably have to uh jump on the on the bandwagon with yeah. some direct to consumer clients it is a very powerful thing they've they've created over there um uh, it's amazing how you can get hooked in yeah. some people talk about it being uh they're they're brainwashing all of america to become dumber <laughs> well, <I> mean, <laughs> with the content they're putting out the audience is there and the, the the great thing about about tiktok is um i'll use the example of reddit uh something that i use personally something that i see there's great value in for um for advertising but reddit people self-select the areas of interest that they want to to know about um with tiktok the algorithm is so great that um you know people without even self-selecting find themselves in the corner of tiktok they want to be in in the corner of tiktok that um that interests them because the algorithm is so wonderful um that there's so many different areas of of tiktok that that people find themselves in and the creativity there is so great if you find yourself on a, in a right right part of tiktok that creativity the 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 kids that are you know creating this content um they're fantastic and and they're growing audiences and they're com- becoming influencers now how do you um use that as a brand i mean obviously I'm sure that that you're thinking about that constantly and your team is thinking about that constantly for, you know, B2C customers. It's just not. Yeah, so- and, and they're offering uh, agencies uh, exclusive access multiple weeks in advance to trending data so that you could, uh, they know the trends, the next Grimace milkshake or whatever, <laughs> the hot thing. And it, it's fascinating that, you know, speed to knowledge, speed to information usually wins. Um, and, and now they're, they're charging a premium for you to, to, to get in on the, the, the inside skinny. And, and that's all part of this being adaptable as a brand. And, you know, going back to what you're constantly managing, these really successful brands that are constantly Voltroning and bolting on other companies. And you have to take on these brands, their legacy, their equity. Um, you know, how do you keep, the brands you're spearheading adaptable to the shifting trends in both the digital and uh, traditional sense. Yeah. So, you know, what, what I'm looking at at there with them, we were just talking about some of the, the shifting trends. Um, it comes and you know, another part of my job is um, building that, that trust within leadership. 
So, you know, we're always trying to, to, to stay new and stay relevant and understand what's popping new in digital and traditional marketing. And a lot of times, you know, my job is to stay on the pulse um, and have people on my team that are able to stay on the pulse. I'm getting a little up there in age. So it's just making sure that, that I have um, people on the team that I trust that, that are on the pulse. But then it's, in, it's informing our leadership. Hey, here's, here's where we think things are going. Here's what we want to do. This may seem outside of the box, but we want to try this. Um, and it's having that trust with leadership to, to trust us with the brand um, and kind of use some of these new tools that are coming in digital and traditional marketing. What, you know, what? another pulse that in order for you to be as successful as you've been with these uh, C-suite teams is the pulse of what capabilities the customer is looking for and what you could round out in your business to create more larger, more capable entities that obviously have these massive profitable uh, exits. Let's jump into some key principles first. What have you seen through doing this time and time again has consistently contributed to the success in merging multiple contractor brands together to keep it uh, set up and full force momentum towards an eventual, an eventual profitable exit for the investors. Yeah, it's difficult when you, when you're coming together and you have existing brands with these other companies and then merging them together to eventually, you know, form a single brand um, that's powerful. And and for me, it's I mean, it's just really two things: it's it's patience and trust. So patience is huge. Um, to talk about you know what Centauri uh, was doing. Um, and, and now with Eclipse, you know, when we launch, you know, with with your help, with your team's help, when we launch these brands, um, you know, the initial reaction from from myself and others is, okay, well, let's treat this like a light switch. You know, one day they're company A, we're going to flip a switch, and they're going to be Eclipse, and we're all moving forward. But it doesn't it doesn't work like that, and it's actually bad business uh, to do that because you know we talked about. These companies, some of them are, are decades old, and they have this built-in brand equity. Um, the customers trust them. They're a known entity in the community. You can't just turn turn it off. Um, so what you need to do um, in something that, that we've, we've done with Centauri and we're doing with Eclipse is sometimes you need to run the brands parallel for a while. You need to build up the Eclipse brand. You need to build up the brand equity with Eclipse while also taking all that equity that the, these other brands have and move that to Eclipse as well. So that takes time. That's where the patience comes in. It takes time to get to the point where you say, okay, people understand Eclipse. We have transitioned all of the goodwill and brand equity of these heritage companies onto Eclipse. We feel like it's time that we can shut those other brands down. It, it takes a lot of time. We're in the middle of it right now with Eclipse. Um, and sometimes with like with Centauri, um, we, we maintain some of those brands for, for there's some business reasons, but you, you, you make it a sub brand within the Centauri brand. The second part that has been critical for me is, is, is trust. I mean, we need to understand, you know, that the companies that we acquired, um, they know their audience. They've been working with their audience. 
So in a lot of cases, you know, we have people come in from, from these heritage companies and I got to trust their instincts too. I got to trust, you know, how is their employee going to respond? How is our, is their, is their customer going to respond? We may say, okay, well, we, you know, just acquired this company and um, what's worked in the past is, is we slowly transition your brand and within six months um, you'll be fully uh, Eclipse or fully Centauri and, um, that's how that's its work before. So that's what we're going to do. And if we have somebody say, Hey, you know, I know my, I know my customer, I know my employees, my customer's feeling a little worried right now about this acquisition. My employees don't know about the future. They're really, really connected to the brand. Um, can we take this a little slower and can we think about this more? You got to trust them. You got to trust what they say because they understand their audience so you got to you got to take that um, feedback and go okay well, let's talk about this and then maybe we um, we take it a little slower just to make sure when we do flip that switch and, and when your brand does go away it's a great transition. Yeah, let's build on that a little bit more. You know, one of your uh, one of another Arlington Capital uh, successes was Octo. Yeah. And we were really fortunate enough to go along for that journey when they when they uh, purchased Sevatech, which was almost a merger of equals, although it was positioned as an acquisition. But immediately on the inside, there was a culture clash where the senior leadership, as well as many of the staff, they were just weren't seeing Sevatech in Octo. So it immediately we thought, you know, half of the success of pulling this off is getting the internal culture clash uh, to all get on the same page. So we thought the best way to do it, or one of the key pillars, was for for Sevatech, which had a key arrow in their brand, to see their brand inside of the Octo brand. So we redesigned the logo and we called it the Octonaut, and it had the Sevatech arrow in it. And that the way it was presented of these two things coming together and they, they see themselves in the vision forward, it definitely cooled down the, the culture clash and got people integrated together. I'd love to hear from you a little bit about, you know, when you're merging brands, you were, you were getting a little bit into it with uh, trust and patience, but is there, when you have to navigate potential challenges related to culture clashes and differing ways of management, how do you ensure to, you know, smooth transition and land that plane safely. Yeah, that's, I mean, I had not heard that, that Octo story and that's a fantastic example. And it, it's one of the things that, that I've seen throughout is um, the heritage companies, particularly the employees of the heritage companies, particularly the long-term employees of these heritage companies, um, they want to see themselves in the new brand. And it could be as simple, I mean, it could not as simple, but it could be, just like that, they want to see some of their brand elements move, you know, continue on. Um, you know, one thing that that we have always said for, you know, internal communications and speaking with employees is, you know, your company, you're forming the foundation of what we're building at Centauri or what we're building at Eclipse. So you're going to see yourself, you're going to see your values, you're going to see that um, throughout what we what we do, but I think it's even more powerful if you literally see that company within the new brand. Um, in my experience working, you know, working with M and A, I've been, you know, obviously an acquirer and an acquiree, um, and you know, from a lot of the other Arlington Capital um, 
acquisitions that have happened, you know, and something you mentioned CEO Dennis Kelly, who I'm working with now, was the president of Centauri. And, and um, when you're looking at companies, culture is taken into account. Extremely important. You mentioned how important it is. So culture is extremely important, um, you know, for bringing these companies on. Obviously, you know, their capabilities and how they mesh and how they help the company. But culture, because if you have clashing cultures, it makes it extremely difficult. Um, when I was at Centauri, we were, um, you know, you mentioned we were acquired by KBR. Um, and I stayed there. I stayed there for a while because, you know, I liked the people. Um, I bought into the message of, of KBR. And one of, the thing, one of the things KBR said during the transition is they're not going to have the ego of the acquirer. Um, you know, meaning, you know, hey, the best idea is going to win. Um, that doesn't mean necessarily the best idea is going to come from the larger entity. And that built a lot of goodwill with the employees as well. So, A, you need to, first of all, when you bring companies on, you need to identify if there's going to be a culture clash. And if there is, maybe not go forward with with, with the merger or acquisition. And, it, and then afterwards, there's, there's always necessarily going to be some clashes within there, even if the cultures are aligned. Um, so it's having not having the ego of the acquirer and having the best idea. On the Marcom side, for us, for my team, focusing on commuter, uh, internal communications, um, you know, our job is to tell a good enough story that everyone at the company, doesn't matter what heritage company they came from, they're all going to want to row in the same direction. Um, the story is there. The future, I mentioned, you know, storytelling for the present and the future. They all want to be part of this journey that the company is going on. So they're already moving in the same direction. If they buy our vision, if they buy our values, um, if they see the vision, it's a lot easier to deconflict any clashes when you're already going in the right direction. And creating those great stories definitely creates magical exits. Mm -hmm. And um, I've got a lot of listeners where they're constantly looking to hear from folks like yourself around how much should I be investing or positioning around innovation versus, you know, stable, more traditional. So what role does innovation play in sort of positioning the brand to create that magical exit? And how do you maintain a competitive edge uh, balancing that process of investing in innovation? Sure. And, and this is a, a great question, particularly for Eclipse, because at Eclipse, innovation is it, it's everything. It's, it's where we're planting our flag. Um, so it, you know, how we support our customers um, with new and novel ideas um, from from that angle is is when we're providing people that support our customers, or we're we're doing a white writing a right white paper or proposal. What um, you know, if we have new and novel ways uh, to accomplish our customers' goals, that's huge. In products, you know, we talk about, um, and you know well enough working with us that. Um, the story that we're telling is we have these two two kind of arms of our company, you know, traditional uh, work that we're doing with our very, very smart subject matter experts, working with the customer, helping them accomplish their mission. But a lot of what we're doing, um, particularly in the Dayton side, is that advanced research and development. You know, we're creating through innovation these novel products that, A, you know, by novel, they're new. And if they're new, you're probably the only one that has them. So 
you have these novel new products, you have these really smart people creating new ways to help the customer um, achieve their mission. And when you start aligning those two together, hey, you know, we have this product that can help you here. Or, you know, hey, we have this new way of doing things. And another part of our business, we have this software tool that is perfect for what you want to do. All of a sudden, you, you, you are unique. And that's how you get that magical exit. That's how you create value in the company is you have something no one else has. So, you know, for, for that, you know, for that, it's if you have this new novel approach and you're the only one that has it and your customer wants it, well, there's, you know, there's incredible value right there. And there's that mix of driving innovation to drive growth as sort of our final question, as some of our listeners could really get an understanding of the mechanics of this in the context of creating this magical, successful exit, how do you ensure in a world of unpredictability that the growth trajectory of your brand remains attractive to a potential investor? Yeah, so a, a lot of the times when I'm thinking about growth, um, I'm thinking about it from the angle of recruiting. So for me, I've really focused quite a bit on helping our talent acquisition teams recruit because a lot of times within the GovCon industry, you know, we have growth, you know, there's, there's M&A growth, obviously, but there's also organic growth and that is winning proposals. Um, that is getting new work. That's finding new customers and winning new work with them. But at the end of the day, you, you need to fill those seats and you need great people um, to go in and support the customer every day. So to me, and in, in through the 15 years I've been doing this and focusing, it's we need to find the right people, especially right now, um, you know, in this industry where there is so many, there's the demand is just dramatically more than the supply of people that we have to look um, at, you know, finding those people. And that's where Marcom comes in. That's telling that story. That's using the, the traditional and digital marketing techniques to sell the company to these, to these potential employees. So for growth, I mean, again, organic growth, recruiting is so key to that. Recruiting and retention, really also keeping the employees you have. So we're working to help in all of those areas. You know, one thing with, with Marcom and something that we've, we were seeing recently, you know, 15 years ago, you didn't see these, you know, small mid-sized companies having Marcom people or even teams, you know, much less teams. So um, they were keeping overhead low. They were growing by winning proposals. They're focusing on the BD side. When the clips came together, um, nearly every single one of the herit one of the heritage companies had a person or a team that was solely focused on Mar Marcom because they understood that importance of Marcom. Because when we're building a brand, that lifts all of the areas of the company. It lifts BD, it lifts recruiting, it lifts retention. So we're helping in all those areas. But when it comes to to go back to your question, um, for me, growth for this industry, growth for this company, is continuing to find the right people to grow that headcount. And, and the two last questions, I think, really play nice off each other because it's this investment in innovation. Sure, it's going to be more capability, more attractiveness to a, pro a prospect of customer, but even more, it sounds like, 
that there's no revenue without people and without innovative, great new things for talent to work on. They're not they're You're not the magic bug light that they're attracted to, to, to go work at. So investing in innovative capabilities really makes you sticky so that you have the, uh, the bench strength and the, the depth to take on larger and larger revenue opportunities that fuel the growth that makes investors clamor to get their hands on the next Arlington Capital roll-up mm-hmm. led by Pro- Paul Frommel <laughs> as the head of marketing. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's what that's, that's what we're hoping for, right? That's what we're always hoping for. Well, it seems like you guys have the Midas touch. Every time you roll it up, you keep exiting. Um, Paul, I know you're super uh, uh, busy and really, really appreciate your time on today's episode of Digital Doorways and hope to have you back on the show in the future. Yeah, thanks, Jason. I, I appreciate you having me on, and I appreciate everything uh, you and your company have, have done to, to help with these endeavors and, and to have these companies be successful. Thanks so much.